Hey, what do you do when you're up against the ropes in your life? You know, you get that dreaded call from the doctor and they say you've got cancer. You know, you get the call from your boss and uh, you go into the office and they say, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. You get that news that kind of undoes your future. You know, your loved one, they walk out the door and go, you know what, I quit. I'm out of here. I'm no longer in. Your dreams get shattered, and you're left with a bunch of pieces. I mean, what do you do when you're up against the ropes, and you've taken a beating, and you need a second alive in, in your life? Well, that's what a guy named Jeremiah needed in his life. He, he was up against the ropes. He was taking a beating. He was a prophet. He was a prophet for Israel. It was almost 2,600 years ago. And Jeremiah saw the nation of Israel decimated. You know, Israel's economy had collapsed. The, the land was being terrorized by the foreign enemies. And they had been conquered. The people were being taken into captivity. They were being drugged, literally, from their homes, being sold into slavery. Others were tortured. Some were killed. And those that were left behind, they're now starving to death. Jeremiah, during this time, he wrote two books. One of them, by his name, Jeremiah, and the other was a book called Lamentations. And in five short verses, or uh, chapters, he shares his story. Uh, Lamentations, it's not a word we use very much, is it? It's an old English word. It means to complain. So the book is a book of complaints, basically. You know, when I unload my sin to God, that's called confessing. When I complain to God, I'm lamenting. This book is not a positive book. But right in the middle you find hope, you find a very, very positive message of what to do when you're up against the ropes, when you're getting beaten, when, what to do when you need that second alive in your life. You need to find, find hope again. And what I want to do is kind of focus on the, the third chapter of this book. Because if you're, if you're going to survive... If you're going to gather yourself together, Jeremiah gives us the strategy to do that so that we can gain strength, so that we can get that second alive and rally and win whatever it is that we're fighting. You know, I hope today you don't need this message, but I want to encourage you to kind of pay attention. Maybe take notes, because the reality is, at some point in your life, you are going to get clocked, and it will leave you reeling. And you're going to find yourself up against the ropes. You're going to find yourself having to, to take punches that, that you don't want in life, and you're going to struggle to stay on your feet. You know, when the world's fallen apart around you, when you've had the wind knocked out of you, when you've been rocked and you're staggering. Friends, I think the first thing that you've got to do when you're, when you're in that fight, you've got to 
unload your frustrations with God. How many of you got frustrations in your life today? I mean, there's a point in your life when you're in this fight that you've got to get honest with God. You've got to tell God exactly how you feel because it's, it's uh, very cleansing in your life. You, you just express your, your fears to God. You express your anger, you know, your grief, your frustration. And when I read the book of Lamentations, you, you find Jeremiah is bold, I mean big time. He doesn't sanitize his words, he doesn't filter what he says, he just kind of calls God out in the ring, and he's going to fight with God a little bit. He says, God, I don't like this. You know, I am tired of this, enough's enough. This is so wrong, what's going on? And he comes out of the corner, and he is swinging for everything he is worth. In fact, he writes these words that we're going to look at the first uh, nine verses of the chapter says I'm the one who knows what it's like to be punished by God he drove me deeper and deeper into darkness and beat me again and again with merciless blows you feel the fight there he's left my flesh open and raw he's broken my bones he's shut me in a prison of misery and anguish he's forced me to live in the stagnant darkness of death. He's bound me in chains. I'm a prisoner with no hope of escape. This is very encouraging, isn't it? I cry out loud for help, but God refuses to listen. I stagger as I walk. Stone walls block me wherever I turn. How many of you are kind of surprised that's in the Bible? (laughs) I mean... The the fact is, Jeremiah, almost the entire book has that kind of feel to it. It is uncensored. He's kind of the prophet gone wild, so to speak. He's ranting. He's complaining. He initially felt like God had done this stuff in his life, that God intentionally let Israel fall, and that it was all because God was trying to get to him. And I think, I think if we're honest, we can identify with Jeremiah a little bit. I mean, the the fact is, even if we don't think what has happened in our life is God doing it, I think most of us, when we get clocked, we look at what has happened and we think, at least, God, you could stop it. You could stop the pain. You could stop the, the problems. You, you could do something about it. And when God doesn't, what do we do? We tend to blame God, don't we? I think that's why it's in the Bible. Because I think God wanted us to know that he could handle our anger. That he could handle our frustration. That he could handle your gripes, my gripes, our complaints. In fact, I think God wanted us to know it's okay that if we need to come to him and kind of blow off some steam and rant and rave, you ever done that with God? That it's okay. See, I found uh, if I don't talk stuff out with God, it takes its toll on my body. 
know, when you, when you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score, doesn't it? You know, that, you, you stuff it down. Put on a happy face. And it comes with a cost. It's called pain. Some of you, the pain stopped in your neck, didn't it? Some of you, it went a bit lower. But... Um, God knows that you need to deal with your anger. And God's saying, you know what? It's okay, I can handle it. Go ahead, unleash, let it go. And that's exactly what Jeremiah does. He just lets it go. He goes, I'm deprived of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I said, my endurance has expired. I have lost all hope of deliverance from the Lord. Ever felt that way? I mean, sure you have. This is awful, God. I, I can't believe it's so unfair. I am exhausted. I am tired. Do you hear me, God? Are you listening to me? And when you are on the ropes, there's a point, if you want to be a second alive, if you want to find that, that breath again in your life, you just got to be honest with God. You know, when my uh, girls were uh, little, they uh, every once in a while, They'd throw a temper tantrum. And they'd throw it because I wanted them to do something that they didn't want to do. Or I wouldn't let them do something that they wanted to do in, in their life. And so they'd throw a temper tantrum. And I mean, sometimes it was a show. I mean, it was something. They're here today, so I won't go into details about it. But, but when they did... Friends, it didn't make me feel like less of a father. You know, it, it didn't make me change my mind. It did not cause me to doubt and go, am I doing the right thing? It didn't make me stop loving them. And it didn't stop me from doing or not letting them do what they wanted to do. You know why? Because I knew what was best for them. And I loved them. God doesn't owe you an explanation for everything that happens in your life. You hear that? God doesn't owe you that. God's God. You're not. The fact is, there are a lot of things that will happen in your life, probably already have happened. Things that you will not understand until you get to heaven. And in heaven, I'm going to guess all of those things we're going to look at and go, hmm, that's why. I get it now. I understand. So when you're on the ropes, friends, God can handle whatever you're thinking, whatever's on your heart. Just say it. Just say it. But after you say what you need to say to God... At some point, you have to change your focus. You have to change your focus from the pain, from the problem, from the, the pressure or whatever it is that you're complaining about, and you have to refocus on God's love in your life. See, I may be ticked off at God. I may even rage a little bit against God, but God still loves me through that. But at some point, if I keep focusing on the pain, the problem, the situation, 
I'm not going to solve anything. Friends, you need to know, you will not solve your problem, whatever it is, if that's your focus. You know, he goes on and uh, he writes these words. He goes, the thought of my pain, my homelessness, is bitter poison. I want you to catch that, the thought. See, it's up here. We've talked about it throughout the series. The war and the battle that we fight, it's in our mind. That's where it's won and lost. You know, it starts in the mind, whether you're battling yourself, you know, on something that's just tripping you up, or you're battling a situation, or you're battling the world that's around you, or you're battling with, with the evil one. It is a mental fight that we're in. Jeremiah, he's remembering He's remembering the suffering. He's homeless now. He's remembering the injustice in his life, the displacement. And I think he wants to spit. I mean, he wants to spit because it's bitter. It's poison. It is tearing him up inside. He says, I think of it constantly. And my spirit is what? Depressed. Jeremiah keeps thinking about his situation. He's mulling it over. And over, and over, and over, and he gets depressed, and I want to go, surprise, you know. Jeremiah's bitterness, see, it's a poison in his life. It's destroying him. You know that person that you're bitter against today? That person that you're holding a grudge against? The person you don't like? They're not even thinking about you. Whatever it is you're bitter about, the fact is you're only hurting yourself. It will eat you alive. It's kind of like a self-inflicted wound and you, and you just, you, you're getting pounded by it. You know, it's a body blow and it leaves you hurting. That's what bitterness does. Jeremiah, he's constantly thinking about his situation. And I, and I want to go, how's it working for you, Jeremiah? I mean, how's it working? Are, are you happy now? Are you, are you getting really positive through this? Is it bringing you peace? And throughout the book, you find him going, no, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Friends, you will not get over whatever it is you're trying to get over. You will not get over the depression until you stop being bitter in your life, until you, till you learn to forgive, till you learn to, to let go of whatever it is you need to let go of. Because what happens is bitterness, whether it's your situation or you're bitter at a person, bitterness, it keeps you caught. It keeps you kind of strangled by the pain. It creates depression in your life. Jeremiah says, you know, the more I think about this stuff, the more depressed I'm getting. And I want to scream and go, change your mind. Change your mind. And, and this is kind of where the fight can begin to, to turn, so to speak. You know, Jeremiah's on the ropes. He, he's, he's lost everything. His world's fallen apart around him. His nation has fallen. He's depressed. And he, all of a sudden, he changes his focus from the problems and the pain to the love of God. He writes in verse 21, he says, Yet hope returns when I remembered this one thing. Here it is. The Lord's unfailing love. 
and mercy still continue. Fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise, the Lord is all I have, and so in him I put my hope. See, it's a turning point for him. When you turn from the pain, when you turn from the problem to whatever, when you begin to focus not on the, the situation, but you focus on God's love, mercy. Friends, whatever it is you are going through, you, you, may, you may be unloaded on God. You may be fighting with God. You may be resisting whatever it is that you're going through. And you, and you need to know through that, God's loving you. He's loving you, no matter what you're saying, what you're doing. But there comes a point, Jeremiah, he's looking, he realizes that God's all he needs. In fact, he realizes God's all he has. And so he puts his hope in him. And so I want to encourage you when you find yourself on the ropes. When you, you need to just unload, say what you want to say to God. Don't filter, just say it. But at some point, you've got to quit looking at your situation. And you've got to get your focus on God. That's where the fight shifts. You know, he writes, uh, verse 25, he says, The Lord's good to everyone who trusts him. So it is best for us to wait in patience, to wait for him to save us. Friends, when you're on the ropes, there comes a point and you've got to wait. You've got to wait on God. You know, the, the fact is that when you're waiting, it's hard. I don't know how many of you are in a fight with something today, but the thought of waiting can drive you crazy, can't it? Because it's so difficult. But, it's, but it is a spiritual discipline that you have got to develop in your life. If you're going to navigate life well, you've got to develop it. You've got to nurture it. If you don't learn to wait for God, you will spend most of your life stressed out. And I'll tell you, it is really easy for me to look at people when they're going through the storms of life, and I can spot who trusts God and who doesn't. Because people that do not trust God, they're anxious all the time. They're afraid all the time. They are stressed out most of the time. Why? Because they can't let anything go. You know, what's it mean to wait on God? Well, to be blunt, it means sit down and shut up. Don't just sit quietly and wait. You know, don't ask anything. Don't say anything. Just silently before God. Some of you, if you would just take a few minutes to be quiet before God, you would watch the stress in your life radically change. It would go way, way down. It would drop dramatically in your life. He goes on, he goes, when life's heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. See, he's telling us what to do here. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask. Wait for hope to appear. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. 
See, part of the reason I, I believe that we feel so hopeless sometimes is we're not waiting for God. We're not waiting for hope. You know, God, God wants to talk to you. In fact, he always wants to talk to you. But part of the reason we don't hear God, people go, oh, I, don't, I don't hear God. God doesn't care. Well, part of the reason is all your circuits are busy. And God can't talk to you. We've got all this stuff we're doing. We've got our iPod going. Our iPhone's going. We're texting. We're tweeting. We're posting. We're blogging. We're watching TV. We're talking. We're running here. We're going there. And we are going a mile a minute. And we need to just unplug from everything. You know, if you live with your circuits all busy, you can't wait on God. If you're going to wait on God, you've got to get alone with God. You've got to eliminate the distractions. You've got to be very deliberate about it. And you enter the silence. You know, when was the last time you entered silence in your life? You know, where you entered and you just listened. You enter the silence to hear what God might say. Friends, I want to tell you, that is key to finding that second alive. I think it's why Jesus modeled it for us. You know, he'd go off, he'd get alone just him and God. And I always, when I read that, I think, okay, he was perfect. He didn't need that. Yeah, he did need that. And so I probably need that in my life. You know, when you get alone with God, it shifts your focus. It shifts your focus from you it shifts your focus from your problems and the issue and the thing that you're all amped up about, and it gets you focusing on God. It gets you listening to God, you know, when you worship God, God that created the universe. See, I think when I'm worshiping and I consider that God made everything and I begin to look around me, and I think God holds the planets in place and the stars. When I really comprehend that, I begin to understand he's capable of dealing with my problems. You know, when I really start thinking about what God has done in my life, how he's been faithful in the past, it helps me face the future because God's faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful again. And I want to challenge you, whether you're on the ropes or not today, I want to challenge you, this, just this next week, find 10 minutes each morning or day, sometime during, during the day, 10 minutes, you just sit in silence before God. You don't say anything, you don't ask anything, you know, after that 10 minutes, you can read your Bible, you can do devotions, you can pray, you can talk to God, you can, whatever you need to do. But 10 minutes, nothing. And you just say, God, what do you want me to hear? And, and then see. Just see what happens. When you sit silently and you listen, God many times will speak. 
not audibly, but you will sense that God's there. You know, when, when you're on the ropes, when you're getting beaten in, in your life, and you sit silently before God, what happens is you begin to gain strength in that silence. And friends, that strength is what you need to come off the ropes in your life. You know, the fact is, waiting's hard though, isn't it? How many of you like waiting? Anybody? I mean, it, everything's like slow motion, isn't it, when you're waiting? You know, you're sitting there, nothing goes fast when you're waiting at the doctor's office or the hospital. Waiting's terrible. You're at, a, at the, the store and the lines are long. Have you ever noticed you're waiting and waiting and waiting and you go, I've been here 10 minutes and I've moved two spots. We hate waiting. But friends, if you're on those ropes and you're getting beaten up, if you do not slow down and wait on God, you cannot change the momentum in your life. Jeremiah, he's waiting on God. He's waiting for God to save him. He's waiting for hope to appear, and it's really, really hard. Now, I said a couple weeks ago, I, I was a big Ali fan growing, growing up. I think Ali's the greatest fighter ever. And I remember uh, he had uh, not fought for about three and a half years, and uh, he um, decided to come back into boxing. And he developed a strategy in his later years that he became very, very famous for. It was called rope-a-dope. In fact, uh, we've got a uh, picture, picture of it. Basically, Ali would uh, use that tactic in 74. When he came back, he, it's considered one of the greatest fights in history, rumble in the jungle. And Ali was pitted against the undefeated heavyweight champ at the time, George Foreman. And after the first few rounds, Ali was getting clocked. He was getting beaten. The, the fact is, Ali was getting tired. And so his corner man, they were talking and they developed a new strategy for the fight, right in the middle of the fight. He's talking to him, he says, look, this is what you need to do. So in the next round, Ali come out and he started this. He started laying against the ropes and he'd just cover up. And they, he quit punching for the most part. I mean, he'd throw on once in a while, but for the most part, he quit spending any energy that he had. And so as he's covering up, I mean, Foreman is pounding him. For almost five rounds, he just pounds him again and again and again and again. He's just uh, this flurry of punches. And he's unloading on him. He's taking these jabs and these uppercuts and the hooks and the, these body blows. And Ali, he's just laying against the ropes. He's waiting. He's waiting. The whole time, he's gaining strength. And his opponent's expending his energy. And he did that for almost five rounds. Just laying against the ropes, waiting. What was he waiting on? Well, he was waiting on his coach, his corner man, you know, D'Angelo, to say now. And Ali, at a point, after five rounds of just getting pounded on the ropes... He comes off the ropes, and I mean, he's got a new life, he's got a new strength, and he come out swinging. Friends, some of you are on the ropes in your life right now, and you've taken a beating. 
I want to challenge you when you're on those ropes to just wait. You know, just wait for God. What's going to happen when you wait for God is you're going to gain strength. You're, you're going to find hope so that when you come off the ropes, you can fight. And you can fight well. You can fight knowing at that point that the momentum of the fight is going to change with God's help. You know, when you come off the, those ropes, you got this new strength. You're ready to fight. And the first thing you do, you've got to change the things you can change in your life. You know, some of the things you cannot change. You cannot change your past. You, you can't change who your parents are. You can't change your naturally God-given gifts. You can't change that tragedy in your life. There are just some things you can't change. Those things you can't change, at some point, you got to say, you know what? If I'm going to overcome this, I've got to find peace with it. I've got to accept whatever it is that I've been going through. But friends, if you keep fighting stuff that you can't change, you will be miserable most of your life. You see, faith, faith is facing the things that you can't change and saying, you know what, I will not be discouraged by it. I'm not going to let it discourage me. Some things I can't change. But there are always things that I can change. You know, what can you change? Well, for one, you can change you. You can change you. You can't change your spouse. You can't change your kids. You can't change your boss. There are lots of things you can't change, but there's one person that you can change, and that is you. You know, so when you come off the ropes, you start working on you. You know, how can I be better as a person? Not bitter. Jeremiah, he says, uh, verse 40, he says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. In other words, let's take an inventory uh, of our life. You know, for instance, maybe a relational inventory. You know, how's my relationship with God? You know, how's my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, with my coworkers, with my boss, with my neighbor? You know, it's inventory and maybe your moral life to say, you know what, what habits are hurting me? What sin am I clinging to? What, what things are messing me up in my life? And it's just taking every single area of your life and breaking it down. You know, things like your priorities, your attitude, your integrity, your health, your finances, your possessions. It's examining them. It's testing them. Ask God to help you as you begin to examine those areas. And as you look at each area, just two simple questions you can ask yourself is, what is wrong in this area? What do I need to change? It gives you a perspective. See, when, you, when you're, when you're taking a beating in your life, and when you start thinking about coming off the ropes finally, maybe still taking punches at that point. I think one of the emotions, and this is a difficult emotion, it's an emotion that you've got to get a handle on, it's fear. I get afraid when it's time to come off the ropes. 
fear will paralyze you. It will keep you pinned. It will keep you from, from doing what you need to do. See, grief does not paralyze you. Fear paralyzes you. Anger does not paralyze you. It's fear that paralyzes you. Jeremiah, the prophet, he's watching his nation. They're, they're falling apart economically and socially. Jeremiah, he's seeing all of this, and he knew why it was happening, spiritual decay in Israel. And so Jeremiah, he starts speaking the truth, which wasn't popular. Jeremiah had every reason to be afraid. See, in those days, they didn't have a blog where, you know, someone would say something, they go, okay, I'm going to go blow off steam, and I'm going to blog back and uh, take a shot at them. They, they didn't have that in that day. When, when someone would speak, and it was unpopular, they had this really cool thing they did. They'd throw you in a cistern, a deep hole full of uh, human waste. Yum. And they would leave you there for days. Most people died. Jeremiah, he examined his culture. He looked at it. He goes, here's the problem, folks. We're not being godly anymore. Here's how we can fix it. This is what we can do. This is what we can change as a nation and scripture says, they threw me alive in a pit and closed the opening with a stone. Water began to close over me, and I thought death was near. He, he's in this filthy water. He's drowning. He's, he's afraid. And Jeremiah, I mean, I think he feels beaten at this point. But then he goes, from the bottom of the pit, oh Lord, I cried out to you. And when I begged you to listen to my cry, you heard, you answered me and told me, to not be afraid. <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah needed to hear that. Because he's against the ropes. He's dying at this point. Don't be afraid, Jeremiah. There's 365 verses in scripture that say, do not be afraid. They're fear not verses. One, one for every day of the year. See, God does not want you to be afraid in your life. You can be angry at God. You can be upset at God. You can complain to God. You can question God. But God says, do not be afraid. And when you're up against the ropes, when you have taken a beating... And you're wondering what weighs up while you're waiting on God, while you're gaining strength. Is you're letting God show you hope while you're waiting for that. Friends, when you come off the ropes, what gets in your head is what if, what if. Friends, when you come off the ropes, ask God to take away the fear. That's what Jeremiah does. Jeremiah cries out to God. He, he lays it out before God. He begs God to help him. And God answers and encourages him and says, do not be afraid. Some of you are paralyzed in your life. You're just stuck. You need to ask God. 
to free you from whatever the fear is. It's what King David did in his life. David, he he took a lot of beatings in his life. There's a point where he's ready to throw the towel in. He's just, he's had it. David writes this in the Psalm, Psalm 34, 4. He says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. See, when, when your fears are gone, when you come off the ropes, it gives you second life. You know, it, it, it changes the fight at that point. You, you gain confidence. David understood this. He wrote in the Psalms, Psalms 27, and he says, Yet I am confident, I am confident, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. In other words, David says, you know what? I believe God is not finished with me yet. I believe that God's got a better day ahead, that I am not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust God for that better day to come. You know, one of the biggest fears when you're taking a beating in your life is this is as good as it's going to get. Things will never change in my life. My my situation, it's hopeless. You know, I'll never be happy again. I will never overcome this. There's no way to overcome. I am down and out. It's over. And friends, fear will keep you down. See, some of you think your life's beyond repair. You're wrong. Some of you think your best days are behind you. You are wrong. Some of you think it's impossible for God to bring something good out of this terrible thing that happened in your life. You are wrong. See, God's in the business of restoring. God's in the business of reconditioning and renewing and recovering that which is lost. You know, Jesus said, I I came to seek and save that which is lost. In other words, it wasn't just to save you. Jesus came to save the things that you've lost in your life. Friends, when you are on the ropes... When you come off these ropes, you should fully expect that God's going to get in the fight and he's going to restore. It's always sweeter if you move forward with God. You know, pray the prayer that Jeremiah prays. Verse 21, he says, Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Friends, when you come off the ropes, you come off the ropes with God. You found new strength. All of a sudden, you can move a little bit better. You come off those ropes, not with fear. All of a sudden, you got a confidence. Why? Because God can be trusted. You're confident because God specializes in comebacks. He specializes in second alive in your life. God can restore the joy that you once had, and some of you need that today. You know, I challenge you. Move forward with God. There's a better day ahead. Let's bow in a word of prayer together.
our holy God. I know there are some here today. They're in a fight of a lifetime. And God, they've been rocked. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just influence them and inform them. God, you would give them the wisdom to just wait before you. There's a better day on the horizon. God, there are many of us here that we have been knocked and taken terrible beatings. But you were faithful. And we saw better days. We found that joy again. And God, we praise you and we thank you for that. God, I pray that... Um, you just give us wisdom as we live this life, as we fight the fights that we're called to fight. We come together today to worship your name. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.